Our security comes from knowing what it is we do well, not from just being connected with a particular company. Welcome to your personal branding podcast with Bernard Kelvin Clive, your number one career and business podcast in Ghana, bringing you expert interviews and insights into personal branding, personal development, and publishing. Now, here's your host, Bernard Kelvin Clive. Hello, welcome to another edition of your personal branding podcast and really special edition. I'm really excited about this edition. The man who has helped transform my digital life and my business for five years now. I contacted with him his, his resources, podcasts, books and all that. Dan Miller is the man. If you want me to name one person over the years who's transformed my business and my, my brand, is Dan Miller. Today I'm glad to host Dan Miller here as we look at the work you love. Dan is the founder of 48 Days to Work You Love and 48 Days.net community. Dan Miller, welcome to the Personal Branding Podcast Show. Well, thank you. Thank you for that introduction. I'm honored to be your guest. It's a pleasure I treasure. And I, I again repeat that you, one of your resources or the person who almost influenced my my online activities when I joined the 48 Days Committee in 2010 and, and got to know you about your podcast and your resources. That was when I wrote my first book. Till now, a lot of things has really changed and I've done amazing stuff just by virtue of connecting with you and the resources. And I want to say a big thank you to you and the 48 Days.net community. It's really an amazing place. And thank you, Dan, again. Well, you're welcome. I've been delighted to, to watch your progress the successes you've had in the last couple of years it's been amazing to watch. Okay, then now let's delve deeper. We're looking at uh, personal branding, social media, and career building in this particular age. As a career, it's usually most people come up. I'm unemployed. I have a job. I don't love the job, and all the things that's going around. Maybe from your definition, how would you define what a work or what a career is for our basic understanding? Okay, well, it's what we dedicate ourselves to do. You know, so that we have meaningful work. When we start off on Monday morning, it ought to be more than just something that gives a paycheck. It ought to be more than just a job. But a career implies that, you know, it's something that we do that really is part of who we are. It taps into the best talents that God has given us. And we're going to use those talents in a way that, you know, brings hope and encouragement, prosperity to the rest of the world. But it provides then work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. That's what a real career is. A work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable in line with our giftings and talents. And then one may ask that, then how do I find work that is meaningful, purposeful, and the last but which is more importantly, profitable? Well, the first thing we have to do is look inward. Look at what we already know ourselves. Too many people too quickly just see where jobs are, who's hiring, you know, where they can get a paycheck, and that's not the best way to do it. You have to look inward. I tell people 85% of the process of having the confidence of proper direction in our career comes from looking inward. So we ought to know what are the skills and abilities we have that are really unique to us? What are our personality tendencies? How do we relate to other people? What kind of environments are we most comfortable in? How do we manage others? And then 
what I call, the third area is what I call values, dreams, and passions. What are those things that we're just naturally drawn to? The things that we would find ourselves doing even if money were not part of the equation. And it's in knowing those things then our skills and abilities, our personality tendencies, our values, dreams, and passions, that we can define what work would be meaningful to us. And that's a very individualized process. It doesn't need to be something that fits everybody else. It's what fits us. But in knowing that about ourselves, then we can define what is going to be, in fact, meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. Profitable shows up. If we really have that alignment. Hmm, kind of a lot of work to do <laughs> in that line. Well, it's it's well worth the effort. You know, a lot of people don't do that work, and so all of a sudden they look up and they've been they've spent 20 years in a job that is nothing more than the paycheck. 20 years in something that's not really fulfilling or meaningful. I get those notes from people every day. So if it takes a day or if it takes three days to really define those things about yourself, That's a short period of time. If it makes that much difference in really finding or creating work that is, in fact, meaningful, make a dramatic difference over the next 10, 20, 30 years of your life. Oh, okay. Think that, that, that makes it. So, Dan, what would you uh, do differently, assuming one born in this particular Internet age? Uh, what advice are you going to give to uh, your younger self who was born in this internet age concerning mass media, internet resources, advice in the area of career options? Well, it makes connection a whole lot easier. And when, when I was growing up and figuring out my own career, we really were pretty limited to a geographic area. So it was people that you knew. People you saw at church on Sunday or at the hardware store or at the restaurant. I mean, that was your center of influence. Today, geography has no barriers, no bo no boundaries at all. You can connect with people on the other side of the world. I mean, that's a wonderful thing about even like a podcast like you and I do. You, know, you can have listeners on the other side of the world, people that you've never met personally, but you can still have influence with them. You can connect with them, and you can conduct financial transactions with them. So if I knew today... You know, I mean, if I knew back then what I knew today, I would have short-circuited a lot of the things I did in the early part of my career. I would have gone right to this position where we share information and uh, profit from doing so. Oh. So in the line, maybe a college graduate listening to us at this particular moment, what advice will you give them, those seeking for employment online? Maybe the do's and the don'ts. What should they do in this particular moment, and what shouldn't they do as they seek for jobs online? Looking for jobs online can give us the impression that, in as much as I just said, you can have connection with people around the world, mm. and you can't. People don't hire people unless they know, like, and trust them. So you have to do things to make deeper connection. You have to do things to create relationships. So even if you send out a job inquiry, you respond to something, what you have to do is immediately start to create a personal connection with that person. Now, that could be started with an email, but it's going to very quickly go to maybe a phone call or some kind of a personal introduction, personal interview with that person. Get to know other people in the company where you'd like to be involved. Talk to them. Uh, visit them. So it's still, you have to create personal connection very quickly. You can't rely 
on just the arm's length connection that being online allows. And that's something that a lot of people are frustrated about because they think, well, they can just put out a resume and have a million people see it and they're going to get hired. No, chances are pretty slim that that's going to happen. Getting hired still involves usually face-to-face interaction with somebody before they say, I know I can trust this person and want them on our team. So you got to very quickly look to where can you get that kind of personal interaction if you're going to have an opportunity to be to get a job or start a career with that company. So building meaningful connection is very essential to one seeking for job online to, to quickly have means of connecting with the people. And what are some of the things that they shouldn't be doing and, and we're in area of Instagram, tweets, and everyone to share their thoughts and their views? What are some of the few guidelines they shouldn't be doing as one seeks to get employed online? Well, that's a good point to point those things out because too quickly people put up things there that are funny, humorous, but are going to be embarrassing in a work environment. Uh, just recognize that's part of your digital footprint when you put things on Pinterest or Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn, and that's part of your identity. So if somebody Googles you, you know, you want to be able to be proud of having them see anything that's put up there about you. So don't use those digital tools just for goofing around and being funny. You recognize that they're part of your identity. And so keep it professional. Keep it the kind of things that you would be proud to have a future employer look at. Oh, then, uh, I also occasionally get people ask me that uh, I'm in a job I don't like. I, I love the money, but I don't love my job. I've been working at it for 20 years, but I don't love the job. I, I feel stuck. What do I need to do? And the first thing you need to do is look inward and define, okay, based on what I know about myself, what are my skills and abilities? What makes me marketable? What kind of unique value do I bring to a company? And how do I relate to other people? What are my personality tendencies? What are my values, dreams, and passions? And in knowing those things well, you can very quickly go into the job search. Nobody's trapped in what they're doing. There are too many opportunities today, too many companies looking for good people to bring on board. So if you know yourself well, know what value you bring and can hold your head high and tell people about that, you can find new opportunities really, really quickly with the means of connection that we have. Something like a difficult switch maybe after working for 20 years, I'm enjoying the money, I hit my job, now suddenly I get my aha moment, I get to move. Uh, the, the fear of losing that money that comes. Well, there is that, and, and right so, I, mean, I don't tell people to just burn bridges, just stop what they're doing. But... You can create a transition plan where you stay in the driver's seat. If you do your job search, make those connections, do the interviews, you can do all of that while you're currently employed. I would never recommend somebody just quit and hope that something else comes up or that you find something. But get active in the job search while you still have a job, if that, in fact, is true. But if you know that you don't enjoy it, life is too short to just stay there. If you're miserable in a job, make a commitment to an 48 days from now, have a new opportunity. 
Uh, so then, in the area of career development, career said, what, what should we be expecting in the new in, in this new area? I mean, job security. Is there anything like job security at all in this particular age? Well, there really isn't. I mean, when we talk about job security, to think that you can just continue doing what you're doing now, and a company's check every Friday, you know, for the next ten years, that nobody has that kind of security. Security really comes from knowing what it is you do well and knowing that you are marketable so that you can land on your feet even if the job disappears tomorrow. You know, a lot of good people are going to lose their jobs today, Bernard, as we're talking. Good people, reliable, competent people. It just happens as part of the workplace. But that shouldn't be a devastating experience for somebody because we ought to all understand what is it that our security comes from knowing what it is we do well. Not from just being connected with a particular company. Uh, being connected with a company can disappear tomorrow, and that shouldn't put us back at the starting point. We should very quickly identify four or five other companies that could use our particular skills. Or to just engage those in a way where we're doing something on our own. I mean, the opportunities between working for a company or doing something on our own, the lines between those are pretty blurred today. It's not a quantum leap. You just say, well, rather than having one customer, I'm going to have ten customers. Well, I'm, I know what it is I do. It could be you know, graphic design or data input or human resource management or a host of other things. And you decide, well, I'm going to do that for four or five companies that may not be large enough to hire me full time but could use me one day a week. And a lot of people are moving into those new models of work and finding fulfillment, again, and meaning and profitability there. Then one of the questions that uh, uh, someone asked is, I'm a creative person, I do arts. How do I begin to monetize? Because I, I find most people thinking that my work should be, should be done for free for them. But as a way, that's how I, I, I make an income out of it. So how do I begin to actively monetize my craft? Yeah, I love that question. Um, and I, I love working with people who are creative, people who are musicians, artists, sculptors, um, you know, coaches. I mean, there are a lot of things that we would consider art. What is it that you do really well? So that's the first thing, is do something with that. Be really good at what you do. But then you have to shape what it is you do where it does have monetary value. I mean, I have an eagle that's carved out of a big tree right here in front of my office. Beautifully done. Now, the lady who did that is a wood sculptor. So she could sit on a park bench on Saturday morning and make whistles, you know, and live on beans and rice. Or she can do these beautiful sculptures and get paid thousands and thousands of dollars. So you've got to position your art in a way that is going to turn into money. And I have a beautiful piece, an art piece here in my office where the young man was doing a lot of drawing great things and being rewarded well for that. And he wanted to know, how can he move to a higher level of success? And I noted that in his art, I kept seeing a repeated theme of music. And I said, why don't you do nothing but music? And at first he was terrified by that. He thought, I'm going to have to stop doing 90% of what I'm doing. I said, no, you'll become known as the guy that does nothing but music. And it'll put you at the top of the pack in that arena. That's exactly what happened. I mean, he's making four or five times as much money today, and all he does is music-themed art. 
So become an expert in something in your art. Become known for one particular niche in your art rather than just being a generalist. That'll help a lot of people move to the top of the pack. And then you've got to believe that your art is worth money. When we look at visual art, something that's painted on a canvas, who's to say whether that's worth $300 or $3,000? I mean, it's pretty arbitrary. You've got to hold your head high and shoulders back with confidence if you think it ought to be $3,000 and then convey the value. Why is this important enough for somebody to pay that kind of money? So a lot of, a lot of art, the, the value is in the perception. You've got to be the biggest believer in the value of what it is you're doing. Self-believe in, in the work and your worth. And I, I think I, tr- I tr- to try that and shoot for the price. Sometimes you think, oh, my work might be worth $1,000. And uh, since one has been doing that for free for a long while, the first client, you might want to shoot a little bit less or you're scared, oh, should I go shoot this up? or should I maintain or something look a little bit uh, uh, fuzzy in that area in the first uh, few businesses yep. well a little experience helps and a little bit of success helps so you know, start where the market affirms what it is you're doing where the market does give you money, a reasonable exchange and then you can move up as you recognize you know, they really do value the art that you're creating So then, if you had to share your five golden nuggets or tips or advice on the area of our career and brands, and what would that be? The five things or take home or actionable steps about five things that we need to consider in this age in the area of our career and our brands. Well, start with really understanding what is unique about you, what your unique value is. From that, get the advice and opinion of other people to really help understand better what it is you do well. Then create a clear focus. Then you can move into pulling together a resume if you need that, if you're going to go get a job, or defining what it is you're going to do and starting your own business. So that process, focus, getting the input of other people, doing a little bit more research, choosing the best alternative, and then take massive action. That'll lead to success, and it's a very individualized process. You can have success in something that any that somebody else would say is impractical and unrealistic. If it fits you, you can knock it out of the park in your own success. Well, we could use a lot of examples there of what one person would choose. I mean, there are a lot of times when I encounter couples where the guy wants to do something entrepreneurial. He wants to have his own business. And the wife says, no, I want you to just have a regular job where we get a predictable paycheck. So whatever it is, I mean, we're we're talking about then how do we find agreement in a marriage? And there has to be agreement and buy-in from both parts. One can't just go off and do something independently. So there may have to be some kind of compromise. But the other hand is, you know, we, we want to affirm the uniqueness that each person in the relationship has. And if that means being supportive, we may agree that for a three-year period, okay, I'm going to be totally supportive of what you're going to do, and then we're going to take a fresh look at it three years from now to see how you're doing and see if we agree that you're going to continue in that. But it really doesn't make – I don't really care if it's a, doing something in ministry or if it's uh, 
going to nursing school or starting your own business or writing a book. Those are all things that require that we agree, come together in agreement and support each other. My wife has been immensely supportive of me in the things that I've done, even though she would have been more comfortable initially had I chosen a more secure career path. And I'm supportive of her at this season of her life where she wants to to write and speak. She doesn't care about making money, which is kind of funny. I think she ought to be, but she doesn't. And so she does a lot of those things just for free. Now, she's able to do that because I support her. I am totally committed to her happiness and supporting the things that she wants to do. So it's not the uniqueness of being in ministry or something else. The real question is, are you supportive of your spouse in what they choose to do, what they feel like God is calling them to do, and what they're gifted to do? And to that, there has to be agreement. Wow, amazing. <laughs> amazing. So the, the key point is that the two need to support each other in whatever field or they decide to go into, whether separately or jointly. Absolutely. Now, the, the, the other related question to that is when, when people begin to think that in ministry itself is only church-based, that if I'm a banker, I'm an accountant, I don't see that as a ministry, but it's, if it's to church, I'm a pastor, I'm an washer, that is a ministry, I'm an intercessor. But if you see somebody doing an art-related, I'm a writer and author, then don't accord that as a ministry. Yeah, I, I don't like to make those kind of distinctions. I mean, I'm an author and a speaker and a coach. That's the basis of my call to ministry. If I have a friend who is in banking, then that ought to be his call, an expression of his call to ministry. So I don't see the distinctions that we often give in those arenas. Now, here's the challenge, though, that often comes up. A lot of times people say, I'm called to ministry, I want to be in ministry, because they don't want to accept the responsibility of providing financially for their family. And they think, well, I'm just going to step out of that role, and I'm going to hope that you know other people feel guilty enough to give me money, or God is going to somehow supernaturally provide. That's not a healthy approach. If somebody's called to ministry, but has a responsibility to provide financially for their family, then they need to figure out how that's going to work. So they need to combine their passion and their talent, and they need to have an economic model. How is this going to work? Are they going to speak and be paid? Are they going to write books and be paid for those? Are they going to have some kind of a microenterprise that's creating money with the people that they're working with that they want to minister to and serve? Those are not unreasonable questions. But a lot of times I find that people want to get into ministry because they find it too difficult to make money on their own. And I think that's I, I think that's a very weak approach to saying that somebody's called to ministry. Wanna be called to ministry? That's fine. How are you gonna make it work financially? Uh, as we end up, what would be your billion dollar advice to the world? Know yourself to thine own self be true. That's not a selfish, egotistical position at all. That's the very best way that we can tap in to the very best that God has put inside us. 
Alright. Thank you so much. Know thyself, man, or to thy own self. Be through. Thank you, Dan Miller, uh, for this. And any other resource you might want listeners to know about, aside your book, 48 Days to the Work You Love. Now that's a great starting point. I thank you for that. You know, just 48days.com has an introduction to a lot of materials, a lot of free resources there to help people on this path that we're talking about. But I commend you on helping people figure this out as well in your part of the world, Bernard, and I'm honored to be your guest today. Uh, thank you, Dan. It's a pleasure. I really treasure for helping me all this years, five years still counting. I'm grateful to you and the 48days.net community. God bless you and the family. All right. Thank you so much. Yeah, great. I want to recommend my books on Amazon for you today. Visit Amazon.com and get access to all my 15 plus books today. I recommend the latest book on personal branding that is Rebrand, The Ultimate Guide to Personal Branding. Get one today and grab a copy for someone else. That is Rebrand. The best is yours.